0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Hey, welcome aboard to our Houston Sports Talk live Texans post game show. Great to have everybody along. Uh, Texans dropped this one 38 to 20. Robert Land alongside my co host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And we have a special guest, Jason Braddock. And I'm sure all you know him from his years at Houston Radio. He's also hosting the Houston football show with Aaron Wilson. Find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Great to have you on, Jason. No, I appreciate
2: you guys uh, having me on. Uh, always great, Robert. We've been knowing each other for years. Sean, we've been knowing each other for years as well. Robert, I've been hopping on your podcast for years. So now you and Sean doing this. Uh, I've been looking forward to doing this. So appreciate you guys having me on.
1: You know your stuff and we need you for this one because a lot went on in this game. The Texans Looked pretty good for about three quarters, Jason, and then it all fell apart. But I'm just going to start with the positive because why not? We don't get to start with many positives with the Texans. And Davis Mills, who was this guy? Who was this guy, Jason? This is the Davis Mills we wanted to see. And except for that one pick six at the end, you know, the one blemish up for the whole game, Davis Mills looked like a whole other guy than we've seen all year long. Yeah, and it's, it's good to see, especially
2: on the road. We all know the splits now for the home and road, and how how much he struggled. And this is his best road game of his career. Went over three hundred yards passing, two touchdowns, only one interception. Interception came late on a pick six. Uh, you're absolutely right, Robert. I mean, Mills was playing well, but we've seen him play well as a rookie. We've seen him play well at times this season, especially the last couple of weeks going into the bye. Uh, the problem is, is that in when the Pressure's on. Then we see those issues. Even there in the first half, uh, he takes a sack, an unnecessary sack there. Then uh after the Raiders really start putting it on them, then I think it's the third and nine when the pass got batted, if I'm not mistaken. He's got Dorset wide open, back to his left. sets jumping up and down. He throws the ball to his right, stares it down, gets it batted, stares down Brev. Brad- gets picked off for a pick six and it's not a coincidence this keeps happening late in quarters when things are going wrong and especially in the fourth quarter they got outscored again today 21 nothing in the fourth quarter we're seven weeks into the season we're past the bye week there's no excuses the identity of this team is what we've seen all season long
1: sean i I know jason just Outlined all of that stuff, but I I just have to say, Davis Mills, I, I just loved a lot of the throws that he made. I loved how he handled the pressure, how he moved away from guys at times. He made some really good throws throughout the game. He made third down throws, third and long. What? Davis Mills, third and long.
0: Yeah, the the Texans overall were pretty darn tremendous. Davis Mills in particular on third down at one point. He was 6 of 8 on third down conversions with two touchdowns. You mentioned he was making plays with his feet. Uh, I noticed uh, he seemed to be a little bit more comfortable stepping into the pocket. Um, That probably had a little bit to do with uh, um, some of the protection that he was getting to. Max Crosby was in their face all day long, and he had to try to do everything he possibly could to extend plays and or get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, there was one in particular, I can't remember, maybe you guys do, who he completed the ball to, but he rolled out to his left and threw on the run. I don't know if that was Cooks, if it was – Doorsett. That was the door set, set. 25-yard touchdown, wasn't it? Where doors, yeah, oh. that was a 25-yard yeah. touchdown where he rolled out to his left. I thought that was one of the best throws all season long, and he's made a couple of those guys when he's in motion and trying to extend a play. I thought that was a really – Uh, really big-time play by him. He made a couple of really big-time throws in the game today. I thought the one that uh, he threw in the right corner of the end zone early uh, was a really good ball. Unfortunately, it was just the route. The ball kind of took him a little bit too far out of bounds. Otherwise, that would have been a highlight real play in itself. But Davis Mills surprised the hell out of me today. The Texans, to be honest with you, surprised the hell out of me today. We saw uh, a big-time a uh, dose of Damian Pierce early and often, which I thought was a great game plan. Uh, they worked door set into the game plan, which we haven't seen in a handful of weeks, uh, at least. Um, you know, you might sprinkle them in here and there. But I thought Pep Hamilton and Lovey Smith and really just this Texans team seemed to figure some stuff out uh, during the bye week. Unfortunately, just not enough. They didn't get a turnover today. They probably should have had at least a couple. Uh, Just things didn't go their way, just a little bit out of position or just luck was not in their favor. But I thought all in all, like we saw a lot of improvement today, Davis Mills in particular. So I'm excited to see what they can do to build on this going forward.
1: Yeah, the defense, that's a whole other story. And and really, I feel like that was more the storyline of where things unraveled for the Texans. But just a reminder before we get going, because. Jace, we always like to go through these possession by possession and see where things went well and things went poorly. But we've got uh, everybody on YouTube. We need you to comment because we want to hear from you guys and what you think about what happened. And we're going to talk about if you've got some good observations, We're going questions, whatever, we're going to get to that. Uh, that's how you can support us is by doing that. And subscribe as well. Make sure to look for our midweek show with the latest Houston sports conversation, me and Sean. Every single week, the podcast, you know, we're doing shows three, four times a week. At least the Astros post games we're doing as well. I'll be doing one later tonight, weather permitting, with the the Astros. So let's get it to it. Possession by possession. Raiders first drive, guys. They go down for a field goal. Early in the drive, Malik Collins knocks out Derek Carr for a play. A very rare early blitz for Lovey. Would love to see him mix this in more often jason if nothing else just to give a team a different look we haven't seen much as far as blitz goes early in the games no i mean it, that's what stood out to me is uh me too robert they brought six
2: on that play like you said early in the he's able to complete it but that's just cars staying in their pressures all around him and like you said malik gets there makes the hit that knocks him out the game uh for a play or for them to take a timeout i should say and um put in a final thought on Davis Mills. I think Sean said so many great things about what Mills did well in this game. One other area, one of the announcers on the live broadcast was mentioned when he was getting blitzed, he was eight for eight at one point deep in the third quarter. But like we've seen far too many times, it's more than Davis Mills as a team. The glass slipper falls off in the fourth quarter. I mean that's is when it happens every single game, even after a bye seven weeks into a season, it becomes who their identity is, and you, you start to begin to expect it and wait for the collapse to happen. I mean, you, I don't want to jump too far ahead. There's just so much on this that uh, it was bright early on, and then just like the Texans have done uh, this entire season, they've been able to snatch uh, defeat out the mouths of victory.
1: Texans first drive and and one of the great upsets in sports history. They actually moved the ball down the field on the first drive, but on third and nine, uh, it was a we're settling for a field goal screen pass, Sean, to Brandon Cooks, and then Fairbairn misses the field goal. Of course, you play to lose, you lose.
0: Yeah, um, you know, one key note on that third and nine is I think uh, that was the first and the Texans with their two or three first third down opportunities took Damian Pierce out of the game brought Rex Burkhead in which I thought oh man here we go again Uh, but Damian Pierce you know we can get to him later you know obviously showed um, his ability on some third down conversions and why he needs to be considered more in some of those higher leverage uh, situations possession by possession but yeah the screen pass to Cooks I mean that's you got to be able to do a little bit better than that blocking-wise. I don't necessarily hate the play, but Cooks never had a chance um, to pick up that third down. So that's what bothered me the most on that is, you know, you were driving the football and you hit Aikens, you know, on a third and four. Uh, Pierce get some extra down, uh, extra yardage, you know, after being able to break a tackle, make a guy miss and bounce outside. It was looking like the Texans were going to be able to really do something there. And that's really kind of what it came down to guys. There were 16 possessions in this game. The last one, notwithstanding with the Raiders ending this ball game, only four of them combined by both sides did not result in points. It was going to come down to a couple of things. And that was who's going to make the first mistake. Unfortunately it was the Texans. They turned the ball over. And then two, who is unable to consistently convert on third downs. The Texans did a hell of a job today, just not enough. They needed to play an almost perfect game, and unfortunately things come unraveled for them.
1: Jason, why are the Texans so consistently bad on screens? I feel like I've been watching the same (laughs) replay over and over again since year one. Yeah, a lot of it's got to do with personnel. Uh, Week one we came out, we
2: saw Justin Britt just trying to get way, you know, way outside those – beach blocks to the point where you're throwing a screen out there and you need your center uh, to get past that second level, get out there and they don't have the athleticism. Quezenberry doesn't have the athleticism but I mean, uh, he's the best center they have on the roster right now and so a lot of it is they're just not good enough. I mean, the clearest way I can say this out of all the years and we've all watched football for more years than we care to admit but out of all the years I've watched NFL football, I've never seen more parody in my life and we all know as you know the nfl's been wanting to get towards parity for years trying you know trying to get there always talking about how many are these one possession games when the the game goes fine on all that i say that to say this they've created the parity they've lengthened the season they don't really teams aren't really uh implementing their offenses and defenses and getting live live reps in the preseason so they're taking those reps in season two things are happening there's no chemistry being built until the fourth, fifth week of the regular season. And when that chemistry starts getting built, there's so many injuries are happening. Look around the NFL today. People were dropping like flies. It's not a coincidence. And it's, it's what the, the NFL's made that they're going to lay in it. And I, I say all that to say this. Let me put a finality uh, to this. All this parity in the league, there's only three, four really good football teams. Everybody else is just mad the Texans and the Lions are the worst out of all of them. The worst team in the AFC just beat you by 18 points today. So, I yeah. mean, at, at this point with the trade deadline uh 9 days away, I think we we see where where this is headed.
1: Yeah, and you know, we we just went through the whole Easterby thing in the last, you know, week or so and I mean, that's kind of where things got left with the Texans. I mean, we knew they were in a big hole and the Texans rely so much on young guys, first and second year players, because you had four drafts that basically netted you next to nothing. And, and that's where they are right now. Uh, next drive, Texans defense, a three and out. Rasheem Green's sack, the big play. Green also with two tackles for losses in the first two possessions. People forget the Seahawks picked Green in the third round just four years ago. The only thing that slowed down Green's pro career is, is medical issues. And Jason, you might remember this. He was considered one of the best guys in the draft, and, and, and medical stuff sort of pushed him down. And otherwise, you, you might really have something with this kid. And they need him. Uh, they need him real
2: bad because they have no pass rush. They brought in Jerry Hughes, they brought in Mario Addison, and Lovey has some comments. And I'm paraphrasing here earlier this week when he's talking about, well, it's not all about the numbers, the sacks, and all this. Well, in this case, maybe not always, but in this case, it's definitely about those numbers because the FIMP says the same thing. There is, they're not getting there. There's no pressure. And then when you're playing so much zone, these vet quarterbacks can sit there and find their spots. And also, Robert, you bring up an excellent point about all the youth playing, and this is the perfect year to do it because you're not going anywhere. You're not playing anything. Let them get this live on-the-job training. Christian Harris, you got to take the bumps with him just like you're still taking with uh that touchdown, what was it? Second and seven. He hits to Matt Collins right between Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petrie. Well, that's that's on Petrie. Petrie starts to go underneath, and even the announcer, I'm not sure if it's Adam Archuleta or whoever was calling the game today, he even points this out, several points. He did a very good job talking about the struggles of the Texans linebackers and uh, what we've seen all year long, but to hear it nationally and them see it live and call it out to the entire audience, it's good to see. And then when Lovey came out of half, he also said that was a rookie mistake. It goes back to Petrie. He's still making those mistakes, but it's going to happen. Their upside's upside so huge, and what's the downside now? You've got the second-worst record in football, the Cleveland Browns, who you own their pick. You and the Lions are the only ones with a, a worse record than them, too. So you could possibly end up with two top-three picks. That's where the focus goes, uh, getting on-the-job training this year, see what you have in these guys, and continue to continue to find future
1: collateral. The Texans take advantage of the field position on that defensive play by Rasheen Green, and Davis Mills' nice work on the drive ends up in a Mills-to-Moore touchdown, and Mills' TD pass is big enough, but he did it on third and nine. Sean, it's probably the best first two drives of a game in Mills' career.
0: Yeah, I think the Texans had four big-time third-down conversions on that 13-play, 62-yard drive, which ate up a lot of time on the game clock as well. And they were trending towards winning the time of possession, which I thought was going to be vital for them if they had a chance to win this ball game, which early on and even in the second half, um, they had every opportunity uh, to do just that. But that was one of the most impressive drives that I'd seen um, just by a Texans offense in a couple of years, to be quite honest with you. Um, Maybe it was a little bit more so I'm feeling better about it because it was Davis Mills and we haven't really seen much of anything Uh, with that productivity, but I I was impressed. And that made me pay attention and perk up a little bit more going forward in this game. And um, unfortunately the Texans, you know, that pick six, if Davis Mills doesn't telegraph that pass, I mean, we could be talking about a much, much closer football game might even still be playing right now. You never know. Uh, I know it's an 18 point game and the Texans have a lot of their faults uh, highlighted by much of what you said, Jason, uh, and you are spot on, but you know, in a in a game, it, it does come down to a handful of plays. And seemingly with this Texan squad this year in particular, you can re- they stand out like a sore okay? thumb. Yeah,
1: different... if they can shoot themselves in the foot, Sean, they do, and, and they did it the next drive because the Texans force a punt thanks to a big pass breakup by Steven Nelson, third down. And I mean, they find a way to do it. Third and two. Davis Mills, hey, he put the ball right in Brandon Cook's hands. And Jason, he dropped it. He did.
2: And I mean, I think that's his fourth. uh, It's at least his fourth drop. It may be more. And you're talking about critical moments. Uh, Beginning of the season, uh, he goes three and out to start the season. Get off on the, the wrong foot because of a Brandon Cooks drop. Then the next third down. Uh, he comes back on a Chris Conley crosser, and yes, it's a low pass at his knee. This is a guy who's inexperienced. You're a vet wide receiver that makes millions of dollars to catch footballs. You catch that, and they just pile on. Philip Dorsett, who struggled with drops and timely penalties and only had one catch coming into this game, he dropped the touchdown. You know what I mean? And then he just saved himself by fighting around, getting back in, and he did a great job to get it back, but he dropped that. The comeback, when Sean's talking about Davis rolling out to his left, we know he rolls out to his right and is so deadly accurate, but he, when he rolls back to his left and hits Dorsett on that comeback, the thing that sticks out to me is Dorsett's catching all arms, all body trapping it in here because he doesn't trust his hands. And then later in that game, what my eyes told me there, I saw again, with Dorsett dropping a touchdown and getting lucky to uh, go and catch the bobble and bring it in. uh, He's got limited weapons around him. There's issues on the interior of the offensive line, but he's also got – he also – Gets the uh, wh- whatever you want to call it, gets the yips, you know, gets a little shook, and those big moments, and that's something that's still concerning. He's got the rest of this year to see if he's the guy, and uh, he may not have a lot of weapons around him the rest of the year. He may not have his top two receivers that we saw today for a long, long part, depending on Nico's injury and how the trade deadline plays out with Brandon Cooks.
1: Yeah, Nico with the groin injury, the old Arian Foster groin, and those never last just a few days. So I expect he's going to be out for a little bit. They're going to make sure it doesn't get any worse. And I mean, I'd be shocked if it didn't take at least two or three weeks for him to come back. The Raiders last offense, offensive possession of the half, Derek Carr hits Mac Hollins for a 26 yard touchdown pass uh, tying the score. But before that play, there was a third and two. And Jason, I thought of you when I saw this play where the Texans for the umpteenth time this year, They didn't bother to cover the running back out in the flat. Christian Kirksey appears to be the culprit most of the time.
2: Yeah. No, you're dead right. You stated it perfectly. There's really not too much uh, for me to add. And um, he hasn't really been called out a lot. And when we've asked Lovey, you don't want to go into a press conference and say, hey, Christian Kirksey's look bad. You want to ask the coach and let him. And Lovey's pretty straightforward with you. I don't think they've been as straightforward forward with, uh, with Kirksey as they have with some of the other linebackers. Kirksey's been an issue this year. Kirksey was an issue this game. And he got called out on national TV multiple times for it, not getting there, not flowing to the back. It's frustrating to watch. But with the mistakes we saw with Christian Harris, the dude barely played with the injury all year in his rookie year. And so he's coming back. More excited about Christian Harris's upside and what he did, uh, some of the physicality, how he takes on blocks. The mistakes, I expected that, and I frankly expected more of that. So it's good to see him out there. Garrett Wallow flashes a couple times. Uh, the face of the linebacker group is youth.
1: Yeah, Christian Harris, I, I just I kept an eye on him. It seemed like around that drive for the touchdown was when they started to play him on a regular basis, and then he was out there a lot at the end of the first half. And then that first touchdown that the Raiders had uh, to start the second half. And, Sean, I don't know if you were noticing much, but it just it felt like he just didn't know where to go. He wasn't in the right place. He was taking some angles that were kind of bizarre. You know, he was just missing You know, it was just a lot of different things. And they, they were costly because they were plays that seemed like it was always finding Christian Harris. He was always around where things were going on and things were going bad. Christian Harris, I mean, just keep in mind,
0: as as good as he was at Alabama, the guy still hasn't played an actual football game in nine months. The last time he played was in a national championship game, and he was an absolute beast in that loss to Georgia. So I know the guy is going to be a really good football player. He just needs to get caught up to speed. And everything that we kind of heard over the course of the last couple of weeks um, coming into this game in regards to Christian Harris, you know, the Texans played it very close to the vest. I was a little bit surprised to see him probably like many of you were, um, so early in this football game, but him being out of position and maybe looking a little, uh, lost in some of those instances, it's not a surprise to me. I mean, you can't simulate that in practice, uh, to any degree with the way that they do now. And so I, I think, um, you know, it's going to be on him and the Texan staff to get him back in the film room and look at some things and see where he needs to improve in terms of maybe uh, areas of attack, getting off of blocks, uh, maybe uh, not giving up so much leverage if in fact he does have to, you know, fall into coverage on a little bubble screen or a little uh, shallow route. Um, look, he missed a tackle that, you know, I'm not going to kill him for. Um, that ended up, I think two plays later, the Raiders converted on a third down with, in fact, he would have made that tackle. They would have been facing like a second long. Um, you can nitpick all you want to. But the fact is, is he's been practicing for 16 days. It's the first time he's played football in a long time, missing most of training camps. So I'm going to give him a lot of the benefit of the doubt here. And I'm just glad to see him in pads and on a football game field uh, for the first time in a really long time.
2: Yeah, well stated there, Sean, and add a little extra context on what you said about that missed tackle. He goes from not really practicing, missing all this time, and again, to add the context, who he missed that tackle was might be the best wide receiver in the NFL, on Devontae Adams. So you go from zero to Devontae, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I think Sean did a great job illustrating you know, what he's dealing with and then realizing that you're missing on Devontae Adams also goes like, man, he was just playing. In an Alabama game, and now he's got Devontae Adams in the open field. Mm-hmm.
1: Josh Jacobs, no slouch either, and he was ruining the Texans left and right. They open the second half though with a nice drive. The Texans do, but their old bugaboo gets him. Pierce loses four yards on first down thanks to an unblocked defender. They get behind the sticks, so that means it's Rex Burkhead time. He takes a short pass, gets him to third and ten and it looked like Mills had nowhere to it just didn't seem like he had anywhere good to throw when i watched the replay it's a little behind Brevin Jordan his pass uh, which leads to a fair barren field goal anything that stuck out to you guys with that particular drive to start the half
2: um i'll jump in real quick uh the Brevin pass didn't bother me because he had diablo uh number five for the Raiders underneath in coverage so he has to put him uh, behind him a little bit because he comes a little bit more with Diablo underneath that's another pick right there uh, so he put it there gave Brevin a chance I thought Brevin and again let's add context to us he's coming back he's been banged up all season long he's coming back the chemistry's not there with him and Mills and kudos to Jordan Akins because it is there with Akins. Akins looks amazing keeps making plays Every week, You can't make excuses when they do it consistently. Uh, but Brevin, uh, he was a hot route one time. The ball, ball goes whipping by his ear. He doesn't adjust. Uh, when his man comes off the blitz, he doesn't realize he's the high. So there's still a lot of miscommunications in the offense. Uh, when we watch live, a lot of time we blame the quarterback. Uh, but I think Brevin really struggled with a lot of the chemistry stuff. We saw Nico struggle on early in the season, and we saw Nico come on before the injury as well. So I'm sure Brevin will pick it up as well, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just one thing for me, you know, on that particular drive and really uh, through the first three quarters, it was the chunk plays that the Texans were able to get on that drive alone. They had a 39-yarder to Aikens and a 20-yarder to Philip Dorsett. I thought that was pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, just a little bit ironic, too, and maybe keep an eye on this because, Robert, you make a good point. With Nico's groin injury going out, leaving the game today, they showed a graphic during the game. He's second in the NFL uh, for – what is it, 18.1 18. or 18.9 yeah. average uh, per catch. And granted, look, that 58-yard bomb a couple of weeks back certainly helps that. But, I mean, my gosh, mm-hmm. Nico Collins wasn't a part of a lot of the chunk plays today. And I have to go back and count. Jason, maybe you know offhand, but the Texans got a lot of those today. And certainly, look, there's a reason why set. Uh, There's a reason why Aikens and even Jordan at times was featured in the offense today. It's a game plan offense. That's what you have to do. They just felt like they could take advantage of some situations with those guys. Things can be really interesting to see going forward with the Texans and how if it's maybe an adjustment that Pep Hamilton made with some of the route concepts, play calls, um, giving Mills some easier looks that don't always involve just checking the ball down to a burkhead or a pierce or a tight end in the flat. I want to see what this team can do over the course of the next two or three weeks before um, maybe defenses see something and they're able to adjust because I like what I saw today and kind of scratching my head and wondering why,
2: guys, we couldn't see this a little bit more regular. Well, speaking of something you couldn't see a little bit more regular that has us all scratching our head, again, this is in hindsight. We said it all in the preseason going into the year. Week one, week two, during the bye. We've said it every week. Why is Rex Burkhead so heavily involved in the receiving game? Well, I know it was John time today, but this may blow some of the listeners' mind. Rex Burkhead tied for the lead in receptions on the day. He had five receptions on six targets. You know how many yards he got? Eleven. So, what if we always said, they're like, well, what are you going to do? Who are you going to bring in? Dari. I mean, he's the next man up, right? He, this is his role he's done throughout his NFL career. Rex has never been a receiving back. It's a relationship hire, And so it's frustrating. A lot of your listeners are not going to know this because they probably tuned out in the fourth quarter. And, yes, it was junk time. But they finally threw Dore the ball. He had as many catches as Rex Burkhead. Burkhead and Darre tied for the team lead with five receptions. Burkhead had 11 yards. Dari had 64. This has been there all year. This is not hindsight. This is bad whether you want to call it front office or coaching. Whoever made the decision with Burkhead to be this heavily involved is a critical part of them being 1-4-1 and one instead of right there in the hunt in the AFC South. A couple of those 50-50 games go the other way if Rex Burkhead isn't this heavily involved.
1: I call him Scapegoat Rex, Jace. Uh, that's what I've been using as his nickname, and not saying that anybody's wrong about that, but it just seems like every week we talk about it, every week we go through the same thing, and every week it's the same. I mean, Sean's talked about it ad nauseum. Yeah, we just don't get it. I don't get it. Nobody gets it. Uh, Raiders drive well, at the this
2: field, point. Well, yeah. this point, it's a dead time. Topic. Because at this point, your season's over. Listen, I don't need to hear Texans fans and the front office all that. Hey, we're trying to fight. We're going to come back one week at, we, one week at a time. We can still get back in. A-. The trade deadline's in nine days. Everything in business has a date. You had your time coming out of the bye, early rested. You lost to the worst team in the AFC by double digits. Almost three touchdowns is what you lost by, 18 points. And so the thing is, is that I I it's not going to be fair to Davis Mills but at this point it's business and you're probably going to try to sell off Brandon Cooks if you can get the return get that contract off your books cuz you're not playing for anything this year.
0: real quick on that. and I know you want to move on Robert but it's it's just a really interesting thing. It is business. You're 100% right, Jason. Yeah. But the one of the Biggest questions that we discussed at nauseum coming into this season, and I asked it a number of times, are the Texans putting Davis Mills in the best possible situation to succeed? Well, if you're trading away your top receiver, then going forward, the answer is no. You're, you're limiting the sample size, which was already, you know, you can kind of excuse away, as Lovie has done. And Pep has done talking about last year's experience with Davis Mills. Well, you know, I think it was Pep who a few weeks back, Jason, if you remember, on a press conference said, well, technically he's still a rookie. You know, like, okay. But then you're going to take away like one of his top targets and cooks potentially. And, you know, rightfully so, to be quite honest with you, he's probably his days uh, of, of being traded for ones and twos is probably over Jason. But if the Texans can get a three and maybe another late round pick in exchange for Brandon cooks, then I don't see any reason why you don't do that. Maybe it just comes down to accepting and believing that the Texans know exactly what we know. And have known for a few weeks now that Davis Mills is not the guy And they've got to set themselves up and get as much draft capital as possible. And you play this thing out, and your real season starts draft day one.
1: Yeah, and if they trade him now, there there could be no cooks or nico collins for him to throw to, and then we can see philip dorsett dropping passes and committing penalties on a consistent basis and you're seeing that. cooks but but you're paying you're paying cooks yeah. 20 million and you're
2: seeing him uh, among the league leaders and drops what, what's the return yeah. on investment they're like well you need to give davis mills cooks has got his worst catch rating uh, rate of his career you've got a 20 million dollar contract on a wide receiver that you're not you, you get that off your books her over the cap, Texans are seventh in cal- salary cap space next year and first in 2024. Cap rolls over. Continue to get that and get that pick. And I think because if you wait till after the deadline, try to trade them in the offseason or something else, you're not getting the return. Like Sean said, you're probably getting a fourth or fifth or something else because they're thinking a contract. But if they're four teams that's actually in the hunt for a Super Bowl, they're not worried about Future contract they can do a salary cap olympics to work things out and they'll give you a late second i truly believe they'll give you a late second because it's going to be like 60 to sixty fourth if they really think they're playing for a super bowl
1: yeah i was playing a little devil's advocate but christian mccaffrey got way more than i thought he would get and i'm not saying brandon cooks is in that category but it's just like no no i understand
2: wow. but the injury history i understand robert
1: so you know just la- last couple of things Raiders drive it down pretty easily on the next drive. Josh Jacobs runs it in from the four. Um, you guys mentioned the next drive was the, the Philip Dorset uh, throw, which I thought might have been the best throw that Davis Mills has made his, in his entire career. Um, but then for the third straight drive, Raiders go down the field for a touchdown. Josh Jacobs again, exclamation. The defense gives up four drives in a row of 75 yards or more. And Jason, you've talked about this on the Houston's uh, you know football show. Lovey doesn't like to admit it but it's been a bend but don't break defense but they broke today. They broke.
2: Well stated. Perfectly stated. It's I would say the exact same verbiage you used. It's been a bend but break, uh, uh, don't break defense and today they broke. Nothing for me to add. Perfectly stated.
1: Texans, uh, at this point, we're going to go for it on fourth and one from their own 34. I had no issue. Like, let's play like we don't care because you're not, there's nothing at stake. But Kenyon Green, the rookie, costly false start, only the second penalty the Texans had to that point. But, you know, again, they are so timely, these penalties that the Texans have. (laughs) They're so timely bad. And then the next Raiders drive, fourth and one, Roy Lopez jumps, another massive penalty. And of course, Josh Jacobs. Touchdown! Four straight touchdown drives of more than seventy-five yards. Uh, next drive is the Davis Mills pick-six. But I- I'll just say this, Jason. Yeah, I get it. It's the fourth quarter, and he does it again, and on that one particular throw. But I, I just got to say, like this game, except for that one throw, I really had no issues with anything he did. If he played like this, Jason, the rest of the season. This team would have at least two more wins and maybe three more wins. I I I've just got to accept as like, hey, let's give this kid credit because he did play great in this game and he didn't get a lot of help. Brandon Cooks screwed him. Kenyon Green screwed him at, you know, these critical situations. It was not Davis Mills' fault. It was other guys. And, you know, I if, if he could be this guy every week, we would be getting excited about him, wouldn't we? Uh,
2: we absolutely would be, uh, but you also need a lot of these times. We've seen Davis Mills flash. We've seen him do good things. You need them to turn into wins and they're not turning into wins. And that's not on Davis Mills. Wins aren't a quarterback stat, like the adage that people have made famous now. But um, for me, where you're at as a franchise, it's not fair to the human being Davis Mills. But again, this is a billion dollar business and it. The best franchises are proactive, not reactive, and this front office with the Texans comes from one of the most proactive franchises. They'll take all the famers and trade them when they when they see the decline with their eyes and it's not even proven they'll take that risk sometimes they'll burn them sometimes it won't, but that's who's making these decisions now, and I think it's a proactive franchise that understands that Robert you said they could win two, three more games uh you know if if Mills is playing like this and Cooks is there. Why would you want to win two or three more games? You're not going to, you're not going to make a playoff spot. Yeah. You, you you've, you've had the buy, you keep making the same mistakes. This is a horrific defense. Sean's a co- I'm not to tell all your business, but Sean's coached for so many years, Sean, uh, this isn't meant as disrespect to the Texans organization, but it's the only comparison I can make. That's a, D3 college defense making the same mistake seven weeks into an NFL season where they don't stop the edges. I mean, they run a jet sweep to a wide receiver. Why? Because you see every week it works against the Texans, and then you flip it and run it towards the other side. I and mean, if Desmond King doesn't make a super tackle. He does it. two fourth and ones, both sides of the ball, and critical penalties that that cost you. And in a game of inches, they make every mistake, in it's – always in the fourth quarter and it's different people every time that's the identity of the team when it's not the same person
0: at the end of the day you mentioned this earlier too jason um, both offensively and defensively you have a bunch of guys on this team for one we all understand at this point this is about a youth movement not just in the linebacker core but uh, look at all the young guys just on defense and offense all across the board that are playing Okay, this is about a youth movement as it should be. This is what you want to see in a rebuild. The most maddening thing is you're able to talk about, you know, a a good number of maybe five to seven plays. What it comes down to that kind of decides some of these games that just drives us crazy. Right. But when you talk about the integrity or lack thereof of this Lovey Smith defense, well, you're trusting guys to make exceptional plays and be consistently disciplined. Well, you're talking about, like, elite players. If you were consistently disciplined, if you were making every tackle, if you weren't missing tackles, if you weren't dropping would-be, could-be, should-be interceptions, then you're talking about a really good player and a really good defense. Well, the Texans don't have a lot of those guys. I've been noticing for about four or five weeks that it just it, it, it makes me crazy. And even Jerry Hughes, a 13-year veteran, is making some ill-disciplined rookie-type mistakes And you just have to accept it for what it is. I mean, he is a 13-year veteran. You're trying to squeeze every last little drop you possibly can out of him. But the lack of integrity on those edge rushers when they're reading the ball is away from them, not to stay disciplined and allow nothing to come back your way. You make sure that ball commits past the line of scrimmage. That's basic stuff. And these are fundamental plays, mistakes that the Texans are routinely making throughout games that are costly. They don't show up in the box score. You don't see why exactly this happened, but that is, it's those reasons alone that add up. Why you give a team a third and short opportunity or a second and inches opportunity. Good teams are going to take advantage of those and not to say that the Raiders are a good team, but they're better than you and they showed that they were better than you today. They played how they were supposed to play and that is capitalized on silly mistakes.
1: I just want to clarify one thing that Jason said before. I'm not saying Davis Mills wins two or three more games the rest of the year if he plays like this. I'm saying Davis Mills has two or three wins this year. And if Davis Mills plays like this the rest of the year, then gotcha. I don't that I don't have to draft a stupid quarterback, and I don't have to wait two or three more years to develop that guy, and I'm going to be 95 years old before the Texans are going to be any good again. I'm trying to, like – Be Live my best life over here, Jason. And I want Davis Mills to succeed as bad as anybody. I do not hate this guy. I want him to do well. And he's got a lot of physical tools. You know, this part, the the noggin, the brain is the one problem. And the guy that I saw today, except for that, like I said, except for the one interception, if I could have just seen that guy against, I don't know, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Colts, I mean, what a difference all of those games would have made. They all came down to one or two possessions. Just, and Davis Mills was terrible for most of those three games. Most yep. of those games. This game, he was really good, really good, I thought, for three quarters. And look, um, Davis Mills last year, I, I, I think it's a, I think that was kind of a stupid comment, Sean. Technically, that the, co- the coach said, technically, he's a rookie quarterback. I mean, come on. What do you mean, technically? It's the second year. He's been playing in the NFL for two years. He played most of the games last year. Joe Burrow played just about as many games his first year and the second year. That guy was in a Super Bowl. That's what I know. Now, I, I granted all of that, but Davis Mills had garbage last year. He had garbage to work with. That wasn't fair for any guy. And, you know, it's not great this year, but it's way better. And, you know, you just want to see so bad, Jason. You want to see him, you know, put this together. Just for a little bit, just so we can at least think about, man. We don't. Hey, if we didn't have to draft the quarterback, you know, and we could get, I don't know, some linebackers, any linebackers, like guys. I don't care. There's got to be some guys over at Stratford High School that can do a better job. We got to find some other positions on this team. And if you don't have to draft the quarterback, and you don't have to play quarterback roulette for, and look, I've watched the NFL, all these different games. There's so many, Jason. There's so many terrible offenses and bad quarterbacks right now it is disgusting to watch most of these games it's not like there's a bunch of great quarterbacks out there so you know we think that davis mills is like the worst of the worst but i mean geez look around the nfl it's bad and it's not just guys that are in their first or second year that are bad guys all over the league veterans everybody tom brady hasn't exactly had a light em up kind of year so aaron Rodgers hasn't had a light him up kind of year so if you could just get some mediocre Davis Mills quarterback play, I mean, it sounds bad, but I'll take mediocre right now. Well, will Nick
2: Casario take mediocre? I mean, we're talking about a guy who plays for Super Bowl in a city where he's trying to change the mindset where they played for a conference. I mean, division championships. They've got. They literally have. You guys know it. They literally have AFC South banners hanging in their stadium because they've never even been to an AFC championship, and they're 20 years into this. So you talk about, like, hey, I don't want to wait until I'm 95 before they got a quarterback developing. Well, they've invested. Like, let's not talk about what Davis Mills might have been or what he could be or anything else. What have the Texans invested? A third-round pick. Davis Mills is a third-round pick. First-round picks. Josh Rosen and Geno. I know Geno was supposed to go first. I think he slid to the second back then. But through that entire draft process, they were talking about him as the number one quarterback in the draft. And when he didn't show it early, he got lost among the backups in the NFL until this year before. And nobody expected him to be good. It's just the way that... NFL is. It's a billion dollar business. And yes, there is some horrific quarterback play around the NFL. None of those teams are going to play for a championship this year. And if you look at who wins Super Bowls, you got to have a difference maker in there to play Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. If we're still questioning if Davis Mills can get over being shook set, you know, here in year two late in games then I have no problem. They decide, like, hey, we're going to give you Tyler Johnson, Philip Dorsett, Jalen Camp, Johnny Johnson, <laughs> Davion Davis, and everybody else on the practice squad, and this is what you got to work with to prove that this is your job. If not, we're using a first-round pick. Hey, that's the business.
0: Yeah, I, all good points, man. I, there's, there's not much to say to that, and I, I just want to see what a guy is uh, really. And I think that's what we're seeing with Davis Mills. As long as he's able to stay healthy and he's given opportunities to go out there and make decisions and make plays, whether he makes them or not, that's who he is. Um, I, I, I don't want—I don't want to, uh, you know, be smokescreened here. I don't—I don't want window dressing. I, I want to see what the real deal is, so you can make a real business decision come draft day. And wherever your position is, wherever you think you can pivot to, you get the best guy available. And if it's a quarterback, then you go out and get you a Bryce Young. You go out and get a C.J. Stroud or uh, Will Levis or whoever it is, whoever the Texans deem to be the best guy, do it. Um, I don't need to see mediocre right now. I don't need to see something that is not going to be sustainable. I don't know if you guys buy into this, but – you know, we all watch enough football. We all hear enough of the talking heads. The experts say it's like I've heard countless times over the last few years. Hey, you know, there's backup quarterbacks for a reason. It's okay to not be a starter. I wrote this last week in my column on SportsRadio610.com. It's okay if Davis Mills is not a good quarterback at the NFL level and can be a starter. That's fine. You know, he's a guy that's played high school. He's a play- He's a guy that's played limited college and he's got an opportunity as a third-round pick to play for one of the worst organizations in the NFL that's trying to rebuild and get out of that moniker, it's okay if he's not going to be any good. You just have to make sure that he's not the guy. And that's what I want this season to be about. You can develop, you can make, create, game plan for quarterbacks that can get it done for three or four games. Hashtag Cooper Rush, Dallas Cowboys. Looks like Dak came back at just the right time. There's plenty of those examples every single year. And it's fine if Davis Mills is just another one of those guys. Because maybe, guys, he doesn't put it all together and become a really good backup for another two or three years. But if he's good enough, if he belongs, he'll get another opportunity. I just do think he's going to be here as a Houston Texan. And if you're the Texans, you just hope he's healthy enough and plays it out and we get the best possible draft position that this organization can, and you make a great decision.
1: One guy that we haven't talked about at all from this game, and I'm just kind of curious, Jason, because – I don't see him in the stats at all. And he looked like he had a pretty good game against the Jags. Garrett Wallow, what 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 are your thoughts on, on Garrett Wallow overall as a player and his future?
2: Well, you're not going to see Garrett a lot out there because he's a sub-package linebacker. So when you're base package, you're going to see mostly Kirkow, uh Christian Kirksey, and um, Christian Harris now with him being in the mix and obviously the rotation there. But when they go to that base defense, which will probably in twenty. 30% of the time. Wallow will come in as that third linebacker. When he's been in there, he had a run blitz. I think it was, where he just flew through the line. So I like some of the things. I need to really go back and study it to see um, see if there's errors, if there's any mistakes, anything like that. But on the few reps, I did see him flash a couple times, not only this week, but in past weeks as
1: well. Sounds good. Well, tell people about the Houston football show, what you guys uh, are doing over there. And, and uh, I, I love Aaron, got to know him over the years going out to Texans and uh, just really excited to hear you guys every week with the show.
2: Yeah, we host the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge NFL. And it's uh, yearly, once a week, year-round, 52 weeks a year, uh, Texans insider show that blends Aaron's inside information with my background in sports radio and scout evaluation and everything. We blend it together to give you a once a week, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central standard time, uh, Texans insider show called the Houston football show. So again, you can come back all year long, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central time Houston football show Find on any podcast platform. Check us out. Robert Sean. I appreciate you guys having me on as always.
1: Sean, uh, we're gonna see see you again here in a few days but uh hey i've got some some live astros post game show later tonight, and hopefully it's not nice. going to be around midnight tonight don't know oh, to eighteen minutes. To i I want
0: to join you guys and talk some ball, but you know I'm like in between it's like I've just put a two year old down after a really long day and as hyped up as i've been after these games i really don't want to wake the kid up so if i do join you it's going to be from via my back patio um and i might have a slight whisper going on because i don't want to wake neighbors or a kid
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god just please let's get this game under like four hours or something tonight uh it's it's a long day but looking forward to talking to you again sean in the middle of the week and and we'll, we'll catch up with you, Jason, again. We, we, we'd love to get you down the line and hope we can do it. But thanks to both of you guys for joining me for this one. Um, that's it for Houston Sports Talk's live Texans postgame show. A sad one. The Texans dropped this one 38-20. It was fun for a while. But, uh, again, Texans end up on the losing end. We'll talk to you again soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.